standing for just a moment and turn with me to uh, 2 Samuel chapter number 5. 2 Samuel chapter number 5. Uh, I want to read just a couple verses this morning. And I, I want to take you and, and, and preach a message I believe that is pertinent to the hour. I, I know, I know I have God's Word today. This is not a sermon. I did not try to get something up to come with you and, and teach you. I, this is something God burnt. Matter of fact, I was trying to go a whole different way and a whole different direction and kind of got a little disappointed about it, to be honest with you, but God knew what we needed to hear. And I want to preach the message. I want to preach the message. Uh, we need a message from glory. We need what God wants us to hear because, see, God goes home with us. God goes to work with us. God goes to school with us. God knows what we stand in need of, and I know the message is for the hour. So if you'll pray for me, we're going to read just a few verses and get started uh, this morning. If you are in 2 Samuel chapter 5, in verse number 4, would you say amen? amen? The Bible says, And David was 30 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 40 years. Hebron, he reigned over Judah seven years and six months, and in Jerusalem he reigned thirty and three years over all Israel and Judah. The king and his men went to Jerusalem unto the Jebusites. Say that with me. Unto the Now keep that in your memory, keep that in your mind, because we're going to come back to that. He came to the Jebusites, the inhabitants of the land, which spake unto David, saying, Except thou take away the blind and the lame, thou shalt not come in hither thinking David cannot come in hither. In other words, he was, he was mocking David and his men. He was mocking the nation of Israel, saying, oh, y'all are just a bunch of blind people. Y'all are a bunch of lame people. Y'all don't, y'all, don't have, y'all don't have the ability to come conquer us. Nevertheless, I'm glad God always has a nevertheless. When the devil comes into your life and says, you'll never get victory over that issue, you'll never get over that problem in your life that you keep struggling with, just remind the devil of God's nevertheless. Nevertheless, David took the stronghold of Zion. The same is the city of David. And David said on that day, Whosoever getteth up to the gutter or the water system going into the city there and smiteth the Jebusites and the lame and the blind that are hated of David's soul, he shall be chief and captain. Wherefore they said, The blind and the lame shall not come into the house. So David dwelled in the fort and called it the city of David. David built around about from Milo and inward, and David went on and grew great, and the Lord God of hosts was with him. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the truth that is being presented today. Now, God, I need you right now to speak to my heart and my mind and help me to preach your word. God, I need an unction from the Holy Ghost today, and I pray that I'll preach it, not forget anything I need to say and not say anything I don't need to say. I pray that your will be done. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. I asked you, I asked you to uh, remember that name, Jebusite. Jebusite. Uh, I, I, was, I was studying uh, today or this week for what we were going to deal with today. And God has had an ongoing theme the last two or three weeks about having victory as a Christian. About having, uh, listen, times in your life that, that you go on with victory, that you're not stumbling, that you're not falling, that you're not messing up on every hand. Uh, and now, listen, I know what it's like to be a Christian struggling with issues. I know what it's like to have things keep cropping up in my life. 
things keep coming up in my life that I struggle with. Man, I'll go for a little bit, and boom, there it comes again. There it just rises up in my life. And thinking I've got total victory over it, thinking I've done conquered that issue, thinking, well, I don't have problems with that no more, and there it rises up again. Out of nowhere, here it comes. Now, how many of y'all know what I'm talking about? Listen, God never intended for His children to walk in anything but victory. God never intended for His children to have anything but glory, joy, peace, listen, happiness in their life. He wanted them to walk in victory, and I can prove it. I can prove it. I went back, and I, I, I began to go backwards in this situation. Why was he fighting the Jebusites? Why did David see fit the first thing he did when he was anointed king, the first order of business that he took care of was to go and destroy the Jebusites? The Jebusites were here in Jerusalem. Jerusalem was the center of the geographic region there. It's also the center of the world, by the way. Now, what does that mean? That's the center of our heart. Listen, we have things and areas of our heart that we need God to deal with. Now, let me go back and explain it this way. Back in uh, Genesis 15, the Bible says that God was speaking to Abraham. It says, In the same day the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, Unto thy seed have I given this land. Talking about the nation of Israel, the land of Israel. And he went to name the, the, the places and the people there, the Kenites, the Kenizzites, and the Catamanites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, Rephraims, the, the Amorites, Canaanites, Gergesites, and the Jebusites. Now watch. He told Abraham, I'm going to give them to you. I'm going to bless you with them. I'm going to give you victory over them. All of their land, all of their people, you're going to have that, all right? And then he goes and tells Moses in Exodus 3.8, when Egypt, when, when the nation of Israel was in Egypt and God was calling them out, watch what he told Moses. And I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians to bring them up out of the land unto a good and large, talking about the nation and the land of Israel, the promised land, unto a land flowing with milk and honey, unto the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and the Jebusites. So God has given the promise to Abraham. God has given the promise to uh, uh, Moses here. Watch this. And, and, and uh, 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 let's see. In uh, Joshua 3.10, Joshua said, Hereby ye shall know that the living God is among you, and he will without fail drive out from before you the Canaanites, Hittites, Hivites, Perizzites, the Gergesites, the Amorites, and the... I'm going somewhere. I know you think I'm running a rabbit, but I'm going somewhere. We're going to shoot him here in a minute. Amen. What's the point? The point is, in the very beginning, when God started the whole thing, He intended, He expected, He instructed the nation of Israel to have total domination, to have total victory. The book of, I'm teaching on the book of Joshua in, in, on Sunday afternoons at 4.30. The book of Joshua is about the victorious Christian life. Joshua goes into Canaan's land. Canaan is not a type of heaven. There's no battles in heaven. There's no bloodshed in heaven. There's no failure in heaven, which you see in the book of Joshua when they go into Canaan. You say, well, what is Canaan a type of? It's a type of the victorious Christian life. It's, a, it's ups and downs. We have ups and downs in the Christian life. But it's about walking in victory and the secret to walking in victory. And the point of this being... God never intended for His people to fall. He never intended for His people to slip. He never intended. He expected them to have victory. But what happened? Well, preacher, why, well, why are they still having an issue with the Jebusites? Why did many, 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 many years later... 
David has to go up and whoop all of them. Why is that? Why is the nation of Israel still dealing with them? Let me tell you why. The Bible says that when, when the nation of Israel went into the promised land and God began to drive out one nation after another, they began to do and be obedient to what God said for them to do, and they were destroying this nation, they were destroying that nation, and obliterating them. Because God knew if you don't take them out, then they will corrupt you with their false gods, they will corrupt you with their idolatry and their immorality. God says, I don't want them affecting you. But, the Bible says that the Benjamites, who, listen, the, the, those of the tribe of Benjamin, it was their responsibility to run the Jebusites out, to drive them out. But they didn't. You know why? Because they learned. The Bible says when they became strong, they put them to tribute. Now, what does that mean? They said, we're going to make money off of you. So instead of driving them out like God told them to do, they said, let's make money off of them. And gave them a Place. Say that with me. Gave them a to stay in there, stay around them, and said, we'll just make money off you and don't drive them out. Here's the message today. When a foothold becomes a stronghold. When, when a, say that with me, when a becomes a, what happened? They gave place to the Jebusites. They gave them an area to stay well, then that turned into years later into a stronghold. You say, how do you know that? Because the Bible says in 2 Samuel chapter 5, in verse number 7, Nevertheless, David took the stronghold of Zion, the very place that the Jebusites were at. What does that have to do with me, preacher? Here is the deal. This is the point. When a, 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 an invading army would go into a land, the first thing they would do was go find the stronghold. They would go find the city, just like Joshua in the nation of Israel when they crossed over the Jordan River. The first place they went to was Jericho. Now, if you have ever studied Joshua, around Jericho was great, mighty walls. It was a... It was a... And before they could go into the rest of Canaan, they had to tear down the stronghold. Now, why was it so important to tear down the stronghold? Because if you went in there and you conquered everything around it, but you didn't deal with what was in the stronghold, when you left and went to another issue, they would just come back out and go to business as usual. You say, what does that have to do with me in my life? I'll tell you what it has to do. God has saved you. God has, listen, you're born again, you're blood washed, your name is in the Lamb's book of life, but there are strongholds in your life that is there, and listen, you will be okay for just a little bit of time. You will be okay for just a, a span of time, but then that anger rises back up. Maybe that unforgiveness rises up. Maybe you have that issue with pride, maybe that envy, maybe that lust, maybe that addiction, but if you don't deal with the stronghold, you're going to keep having problems with it. Now, I know some of y'all are looking like y'all are a, a, a holy nun and, and priest, but I promise you this. There are way too many people who need to admit that they got a stronghold. Because if we go around in our life and we ignore it, it's just going to get stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger. The Bible says very clearly, the Bible says very clearly that God's seen what they did. And instead of dealing with that issue, instead of dealing with the Jebusites and running them out, God said, I'm going to allow them to be a thorn into your side. I'm going to allow them to bother you. They're going to be a snare unto you. 
They will trap you, and I'm telling you, if you don't deal with it, and you say, preacher, it's not that big a deal, it's only affecting me. Honey, it's not just affecting you. As I begin to study that, as I begin to study those issues, I learned that it was the Benjamites, it was the tribe of Benjamin whose responsibility it was to deal with the Jebusites. But they didn't. Do you know who had the most trouble with them? A king by the name of Saul. The first king of Israel. He never could get victory over him. He never could defeat him. There was always a thorn in his side. You say, what's the point? Do you know what tribe that Saul was of? The tribe of Benjamin. What's the point? The thing that you don't deal with in your life, that you allow to be a part of your life, your children may never get victory over it. Let me, let me read you just a couple statistics. There was a man in, in, that was born, I believe, in the 1300s uh, named Jonathan Edwards. I believe it's 1300s. It was in the same period of time. Max Jukes and Jonathan Edwards were born in the same, same period of time. Jonathan Edwards was a preacher. He was a man of God. I believe he preached the message, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. He basically read it because his eyesight was so bad, he could not even hardly see it, so he read it just like this off the paper. And they said there were people that were grabbing the back of the pews They were afraid because they were afraid they were going to fall off into hell because his preaching had so much power on it. But this man of God who married a woman of God, who had a desire to serve God, on their wedding night they committed their marriage to the Lord and this is how their descendants ended up. There was 300 clergymen, 100 professors, 100 attorneys, 30 judges, 1 dean of law, 60 physicians, 1 dean of medical school, 3 mayors of large cities, 60 authors of fine classics, 14 presidents of universities, three state governors, one controller of the U.S. Treasury, and one vice president. I think they did okay. What do y'all say? Well, there was a man born at the same period of time. Same time. His name was Max Jukes. He was a non-believer, didn't trust in God, didn't believe in God. He married a woman of the same way. She was of like character. She even dabbled in the occult. They had 1,200 descendants. 310 were professional vagrants. 440 wrecked their lives through debauchery. 130 went to jail, 7 for murder. The average sentence was of 13 years. More than 600 became alcoholics. 60 were habitual thieves. 190 were public prostitutes. 20 became tradesmen, 10 of whom they learned their trade in prison. And the decadency cost the state of New York $1,250,000. Say, what's the point? Something that was allowed in the life of the adult cause damage in the life of the child. You say, preacher, what are you saying? Now I want everybody to leave clear on this. I do not believe in generational curses. I do not believe in generational curses. I don't believe just because I'm a preacher that my my next child is going to be a preacher. I don't believe that just because I'm a drunk doesn't mean automatically without choice my child is going to be that. I believe they have a free will. I do not believe in generational curses, but I do believe in generational influence. I believe that you can greatly influence your child one way or the other. And I'm telling you, those things that we allow in our life now will greatly hinder the the life of your child later on. I got a great illustration with Abraham and Lot. Abraham was a man of God. He was called out of his land to go to a land that God would show him up. He went to Canaan's land. He went to the promised land. But in a time of of, of, uh, stupidity, in a time where he should not have done it, he backslid on God and went down into Egypt. Egypt is always a type of the world. And the Bible says that when he went down to Egypt, everything went wrong. God got his attention, convicted him of it. He repented of it and left Egypt and went back to where he was supposed to go. But there's only one problem with that. 
He took a man by the name of Lot. It was his nephew. He went down and took him there. Well, Abraham came out of it okay. Abraham came out of it unscathed. Abraham repented of what he had done and went and backslid on God. He repented and he was okay. But according to the Word of God, the Bible says that Lot, when he chose the well-watered plains of Sodom, he chose them because they reminded him of Egypt. What's the point? Abraham came out of his sin okay. Abraham repented and, and he moved on with his life. But the people that he drug into that sin with him was completely affected by it. He lost everything he had, including his family, committed incest, and had a destroyed life because Abraham brought him out of Egypt, but he could never get Egypt out of him. What's the point? The stronghold or the foothold that you're allowing in your life may be a devastating effect on the children that you raise. I need a witness. Listen, how does a foothold become a stronghold? Now, let me explain what I mean by stronghold. Some of you are, are, are you're so mad at people, you won't even speak to them. There are people in this church that's mad at other people in this church because of something that was said. Do you know the fastest, easiest way to get your feelings hurt is in the house of God? And the reason that is is because it's a house of God and you don't think it ought to be. But what you fail to remember is that the people are made up of people. And we say goofy things sometimes, don't we? And, and, and we allow something that's said, we allow something that's done to hurt our feelings, and instead of dealing with it right then, we give place. Do you realize the Bible says, Be angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down on your wrath. Neither give place to the devil. What does that mean? I get mad at Brother Kendrick. He says something to me. He says, I, 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 I look funny. And I don't think I look funny, so I take offense to that. I don't like what he said about me. He shouldn't have said that about me. And here I go. Instead of saying, Brother Kendrick, you said this about me. I didn't really appreciate it. And he would have said, you know, I'm sorry. I didn't even mean to say that. I was just joking and cutting. I, I'm sorry. And we could have dealt with that. Boom, it would have been over. But I didn't, I didn't address it. I didn't deal with it. And I went about my way. And you know what I did? I gave the devil a platform to stand on in my life. Just like the nation of Israel allowed the Jebusites a place to stay, I am allowed Satan to live and work in my life because I don't deal with it and I just keep on going and it just keeps building up and building up and building up. So one little thing that was said that hurt my feelings turns into a family feud. Are you all with me? Some of us turn anger into bitterness. Bitterness becomes a stronghold. Some of us are so prideful we're so prideful. I'm telling you, if we was to walk outside in the rain, you would drown in about 30 seconds. Because your nose is stuck so far up in the air. You know what's happened? Somebody's complimented you. Somebody said this. I tell you what, I, I got to be careful. Because when I go out of town, people don't know me. And, they, and, and maybe they don't, they're not getting the same thing we have here. And, they, and, and boy, they'll just throw compliments. And I tell you what, God has to bring me back to reality. He'll bring me back to temple. And y'all sure keep me humble. Say amen. Boy, oh, you, boy, that message. Oh, 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 that stuff. And you say, well, what do you do about that? I remember who I shaved that morning. I remember who I am, and I know. Listen, I promise you, if I start getting swelled up, God will poke me so fast, I'll blow. I tell you what, he'll let me look like a Pekingese pug. He'll let me fall right on my nose every time. But some of y'all are so swelled up, you get your feelings hurt all the time because you think you don't deserve. That. What's happened? You've allowed a place in your life. There are young men who's allowed a little picture they saw when they was a little kid. Pornography and, 
And, and, and listen, instead of dealing with that and, 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 and dealing with that issue in their life, they've let it come and, and the devil's just taken that. And you've given a place. And now that young man who got that picture, who could have dealt with it so innocently, went and has, and has kept that in his life to a situation. Now it is a full-blown stronghold. It is a full-blown situation where they have an addiction that they can't turn that computer off. They can't turn, throw the remote control out. And now it is affecting their relationships. It's affecting their family. It's, expect, it's affecting how they think about their spouse. I promise you this, men in the building, there is not one wife on the planet can they live up to the expectations of your fantasy. And I know I'm being awful specific right now, but I'm telling you, this is destroying families, not in the world, but in the church. We got to deal with it. If we're going to have victory, I don't, want, I don't want to ever have to walk by somebody and not be able to speak to them. Hello? Y'all, y'all awake this morning? Y'all in the late crowd. Y'all should be awake by now. Say amen. Y'all going to have to get with me. That, that early crowd, they gets with me. So y'all going to have to learn to do that. I need a little help and response. Amen. Look. This is important. This is important. I don't want something to affect me and control my life. Some of you with your spouses, you'll get along good for just a little bit. But then, boom, that unresolved anger, that unresolved situation, that thing she said or that thing. That my, I read a thing the other day. said, boy, I tell you what, every time we get into it, my wife gets historical on me. He said, you mean hysterical? No, historical. She brings up all kinds of things I've done for God. You know what? There's a 51% divorce rate in the house of God because we won't deal with strongholds. Let me give you two points, and we're going to eat something. Say amen. You for that? Number one, we're talking about going from a foothold to a stronghold. And you know what? Tradition can be a stronghold too. I just preached in two churches here in the last couple weeks that probably will never move past where they are because they won't allow anything past tradition of what they've always been. Hello? I promise you this. Don't let the devil take a place. Don't give place to the devil so he can make a foothold, so he can turn it into a stronghold. Number one, I want you to see the process Examination of a process. How does it happen? How does a foothold turn into a stronghold? I'll tell you how. First thing that takes place, A, is the sin that's allowed. The sin that's allowed. The sin we don't deal with. Uh, The nation of Israel was commanded specifically. When you go into that nation, I want you to obliterate them. Destroy them completely. Because God knew that their idols that their gods, that their immorality and their idolatry would affect the nation of Israel. Now, he said, I want you to deal with it. Do not spare any that breatheth. Now, that's pretty specific, wouldn't you say? But the nation of Israel disobeyed the Lord, and they said, we would rather make money off of them. We don't care. We'll be okay. You know what their problem was? It's the problem most, most Baptists have today. Well, I'm big enough to handle it. Now, I'm telling you, God's speaking to me right now, and he didn't tell me in the earlier one, so I'm going to have to remember this for the next one. They thought they were big enough to handle the temptation. 
They thought, I'm big enough to handle this. I'm big enough to handle this situation. I'm big enough to turn away from the drink. I'm big enough to not, not mess up in, in, in adultery. I'm big enough to handle. I, I, I know that this relationship's getting a little close with my secretary or with the friend at work. Or, or I know, but I'm big enough to, I'm okay. And they just keep allowing it in their life. Young people. Don't ever think, well, I won't go that far. I'll just go a little bit. I know the best thing you can do is don't go anywhere. Because you ain't big enough. You young men, when them women with the big hair say amen, it'll make you tremble in your knees. I'm telling you, you can't, you're not big enough to say no. Stay completely away. But you know that nation of Israel, oh, we're okay. We're not going to mess up God. It's okay. We're just going to make a little money off of them. You know what? They begin to fall. They begin to worship other gods. They begin to fall to the devastation around them. And they allowed sin in their life. I was talking to Brother Travis Sharp, and we need to pray for him. Boy, he's going through it with his dad and everything. And we were talking about this message, and he said, You know what, preacher? He says, With old Hunter. He said, You know, I may listen to country music in my car with Hunter, but there may be a place where Hunter will go listen to it at the bar. And I may not go further than the car, but he may go to the juke joint and listen to it. What's the point? That thing that you think is insignificant, that's not that big a deal in your life, it may not be right then. But oh, when the devil's through with it. Hello? I know, I know this, is not, this is not camp meeting shouting type stuff, but this is right in our driveway. This is right what we're facing every day. There are some people in this building that's so envious. Listen, you get upset when somebody gets a new car. You get upset when another lady gets a new dress. Listen, it bothers you that this one's friend with this one, and, 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 it, and it just envy just burns you up. And you don't even like the fact that it is, but you can't control it in your life. You wished it wasn't that way, but here you are, and there's a stronghold of envy in your heart. Some of you ladies may be upset at my wife because she's not that close a friend to you or to the other. Listen, it's impossible. There's no way with a crowd this size that we can be friends with everybody. It's funny, they say, you know, they, all them guys down at Tuscaloosa yesterday, they were there with 90,000 of their closest friends. Say amen. And that's an impossibility. That's an impossibility, but what happens is we, well, he's spending more time with that. Yeah, I, I got that Facebook thing. I got that Facebook thing, and it's driving me. I, I, I must be addicted to it because I had to get another phone, and I hadn't got it switched over yet, and it was driving me crazy because I couldn't find out what everybody's doing. Amen? And they have a, they have a thing there. Don't get on it. It's addicting. Amen? Uh, uh, and they have a thing on there. Well, ask for a friend. If you, if you, if you want somebody to be your friend or whatever, or to, to, where they can post on your deal, then, then you contact them. And I, I, I've made a covenant. I've made a covenant. I'm not asking for nobody's because I don't want nobody to say, well, you didn't ask me to be yours. So I've just, if they ask me, then I'll, I'll agree to it or whatever, but that's about all because I know how it is. You know, we have these issues in our life that we deal with on a daily basis, and we wonder why it keeps coming up. Well, why did that person, why did he ask them to go out to dinner and didn't ask me to go out to dinner? Or why did he, why did he, or are you, come on now, don't look at me that way. I must have a lot worse sinners in the early service than the late one, it must be. This is the holy crowd right here. 
The Bible says all men are liars. Y'all better cut it out. Amen. We have these areas that, that we allow. just starts from a small thing. A sin that's allowed. Then B. How does the process start? Because the sin that's allowed, but then the steps that's avoided. The Bible says, be angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down on your wrath. In other words, now I wished. Maybe I'm going to confess a little bit here. And uh, I wished I could say that me and Tammy never went to bed mad at each other. I wish I could say that. Uh, Johnny, what you laughing at? I bet you wish you could say it too, don't you? Amen. But there's been times we did. There's been times that that's taken place. And you know what? I've always regretted that. I've always regretted that. And it never made it better. Never. Not one time did it ever make it better. Always it made it worse. And the point is, God said, if you know you're angry, go deal with it. Well, I don't want to deal with it. She can't see it my way. Well, it might be we just need to say, I'm sorry. It might be we need to humble ourselves. Maybe that's what God's trying to deal with in our life, to humble ourselves because we've got so much pride in us and he's trying to break it, just like old Peter. He said, I ain't going to never run out on you. Bless God, they all going to run out on you. I ain't never going nowhere. He said, son, you're going to deny me before the cock crows. You're going to deny me three times. And you know what? He had to be humbled. Take the steps that's necessary. What steps is that, preacher? Let's go to B. Let's go to B. Or number two. What was number one? Say that back to me. We see the... Now, can y'all see how a foothold, a place that we allow in our life, can turn into a stronghold? How many of y'all can see that? Say amen. Now, watch this. I want you to see not only the uh, uh, explanation of a process, but I want you to see this. The extermination of a problem. How do we deal with it in our life? What do we need to do in this situation, well, the first thing, with anything, the first thing, there's got to be admittance. Say that with me. There's got to be, say it again, there's got to be, the problem with most of us is we don't admit that we have a problem. Do you know it's not hard getting people saved. It's hard getting people lost. It's not hard getting people help. It's that them seeing that they need help. I have addressed some things with people before. That's not me. I don't have a problem with that. I don't have a problem with anger. That's why you're sitting in jail, because you, you committed battery on somebody. Somebody made you mad in traffic, and you got out and beat all the windows out their car. No, you don't have a problem with anger. No, it's just everybody in the world with a problem but you. I have seen people where it was so obvious. It was so obvious in their life that they had an issue, but they would not deal with it because they wasn't willing to admit that they had a problem. David, when he, was, he had his sin with Bathsheba in Psalms 51, the Bible said when Nathan came to him and said, David, thou art the man. You're the one with an issue. You're the one with sin. He said, I acknowledge my transgressions. I, I acknowledge my sin. Lord, I have done it. I have sinned against thee and thee only have I sinned. Oh, Father, I am guilty. You know what? Saul was guilty of sin too, but he would never admit it. He would always blame everybody else when he should have destroyed, the, I believe it was the Amalekites. When he should have dealt with that issue, he never did. And when the, when the prophet came to him and said, why didn't you do what I told you to do? Saul said, it was all them that done it. You know, that's an epidemic in America today. Everybody else has the problem but you. 
And it's only right because you did it. And, and, and what we want to do is we want to make everything else a problem except our problem. We will shout. If you don't have, if you don't have problem with alcohol, bless God, you'll shout the house. Yes, sir, against that alcohol. But you've got a problem with anger. And I go to talk about anger. You'll clam up and shut up and won't say nothing. It's always easy to shout about everybody else's sins. I need a witness. But you know what? If we're going to tear down strongholds in our life, first we're going to have to admit, hey, I've got a problem. I've got a problem with lust. I have a problem with anger. I have a problem with selfishness. I, have a, I always want it my way. I always want to do what I want to do. Hello. Most marriage problems today could be solved if we just deal with the own selfishness in our life. Admit it. The Bible says in James, James chapter number 5, verse 16, Confess your faults one to another. Pray one for another that you may be healed. But what's the first thing? Confess. Confess. I've got an issue. I've got a problem. But then B, I like this one. We need admittance. Say that with me. We need admittance. Come on, y'all. Get with me. We need admittance. Then B, we need anger. But preacher, you said we need to deal with anger. We need to channel anger. We don't need to completely do away with it because anger is an emotion that God has given us. And if we use it in the right way, it can be a very powerful source in our life. The Bible does not say, be not angry. It says, be ye angry and sin not. Don't not be angry, just be angry at the right stuff. Are y'all with me? When Jesus went in the temple, he saw people who were robbing. He, they, he said, you've made it a den of thieves. He got him a whip together. He put him some cords together. Bless God, he got angry, and he drove them out of the temple. It made him and motivated him to do something about the situation. You'll never deal with your stronghold till you get angry at it, till you hate it. What did David say in that verse we just read? He said, them whom my soul hateth. David saw what kind of problem they were. David saw what kind of effect that they had on the nation of Israel. David saw what kind of problem and what kind of pain they were causing. And he said, I hate them. We need to go up there and deal with it and tear that stronghold down. What does that mean? I, I, I read a story of, of a, a little fellow that kept coming to school dirty. I mean dirty, didn't, have, didn't wash his clothes, had dirty in his face and Six or seven weeks in a row, came, came to school with the same dirty clothes on. And, 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 and said, we, we need to do something about this. So they sent two social workers home with the little fella. And, 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 and they got to the door, knocked on the door. Sure enough, sure enough, the, the, the mama came to the door. And she was just as dirty as he was. And, and the one social worker looked at the other social worker and said, Boy, she just does not love her child. And the other social worker said, Yes, yeah, she does love her child. She just don't hate dirt. What's the point? You're saved. You know the Lord. And you want to do right. And you know what the Bible says about doing right. But you don't hate the dirt enough. 
The Bible says, abhor that which is evil and cleave to that which is good. There needs to be a righteous anger. There needs to be a righteous hatred about that stronghold because if you hate it, you'll do something about it. I know, I know, I know I'm preaching right now. I know you hate what it does to you. I know you hate the guilt that you feel. I know the shame that's in your life. You hate that. But when are you going to hate the issue enough to deal with it? I got a friend of mine. I got a friend of mine. His name's Trey. He's a big old fella, too. I mean, a big old fella. He's a, he's a South Carolina state trooper. And boy, he fits the part, too. He'd play golf at the golf course I worked at in South Carolina. And, 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 and I, I would talk to him and ask him. And, and uh, he said he gets sob stories all the time about drunk driving about driving uh, under the influence and all. He said, man, you wouldn't believe some of the stories that I have heard. I said, well, do they ever get to you? He said, oh, yeah. He said, they get to me all the time. I said, well, how many of you have you let go? He said, not one. I said, but you said they got to you. You said they bothered you. And, uh, and you ain't let none of them go? He said, not one. I said, well, how in the world do you keep it from bothering you and let them go? He said, I've got, he said, when I start feeling it, he said, when I'm at that car and they're giving me every excuse in the world why their husband left them or their wife left them and here we are, their children, and all that, and they keep giving me this stuff about why they're sitting here drunk. He said, I say, pardon me for one second. He said, I walk all the way back to my squad car. He said, I sit in that front seat and I flip down the top visor. And on that visor, there is tape pictures there of an innocent family who were killed and destroyed. Their bloody bodies all over that car, mangled up car, because a drunk driver ran them over and destroyed their life. He says, I take about three seconds and look at that picture and I go and I put them in cuffs and I take them straight to jail because I don't hate that person, but I hate that drunk driver. You know what we need to do? We need to see what our problem is doing to other people. We need to see what our arrogance is doing to other people. We need to see what our pride is doing to other people. You say, it doesn't bother me a bit, but what if it's bothering your friends? What if it's bothering your children? What if it's tearing down the relationships in your life? And every time it comes up over and over and over again because you're not willing to deal with it, man, it needs to bother you what it's causing pain in other people's lives. You know what? We'll never deal with that until we learn to hate it. How do we learn to hate it? Well, we see what God sees about it. We see what it's doing to other people in our life. You say, how much does God hate sin? When's the last time you got a good glimpse of Calvary? Did you see a mutilated son who the Bible says his visage was so marred you could not even tell he was a man. In other words, he was beaten and battered and bruised and, and ripped to shreds to pay for your sin. That's what God thinks about sin. Boy, I tell you what. When I see what he went through for me, well, I don't want to disappoint him. I hate that area. You know what? When we learn to hate it, it will motivate us to do something about it. It will motivate us to go to Jericho and tear them walls down. It will motivate us to go into our life and, and ask the Lord, the Holy Spirit, like the psalmist said, Search me, O Lord, and know my heart. See if there be any wicked way in me. You know, there's people in this church that love God, 
but they don't have enough courage to pray that prayer because they're afraid God will show them something. Point being, how many of y'all know there's been times in your life you knew the right thing to do, but you didn't do it anyway? And the rest of you lying. See what I'm doing this morning? This is a to be continued. Because we didn't have near enough time for me to give you the whole deal. I wanted this morning to motivate you to want to do something about it. To motivate you to go to God and say, Lord, is there any wicked way in me? God, is there anything that I'm allowing in my life today that's going to destroy my children? Oh, but them movies, they're not that bad. There's only a few hundred cuss words in them. You would beat the tar out of your child if they said it in front of you and you let them listen to it every day on that TV. You would never in the world allow the behavior that we let them watch on TV. Lord, search us out. Is there anything that's in my life that's a stronghold that I need to deal with? Is there anything that's just a foothold Listen, get it while it's a foothold. I confess this, Tammy. I don't, I, it's my fault. But we had two kids with the swine flu. Becca was the first one. She got it first. And, 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 and she had the fever. She come home with a fever on Friday from school. And we took her to the doctor Saturday morning. So I was scared of her. You know, I mean, it just had... Well, right immediately, they gave her the Tamiflu, some other shots and medicine and... And, you know, it, it helped right away. Boom, it went to work, and, and it was a very easy deal. Very easy deal. It was an easier deal. She still had the fever, but she didn't have the roughest part of it. And in just a few days, she was over it, and it was fine. It was great. Well, right after that, Brandy came down with it. And I thought to myself, because I was thinking, you know, uh, uh, it, it wasn't that bad with Becca. Hey, man, that wasn't no big deal. A couple of days, she is over it. But what I wasn't thinking, it was the Tamiflu. We went and dealt with it while it only had a place. It was only a foothold. And, and I didn't take her to the doctor until it was too late. Three or four days later, she was burning up and couldn't get better, so we took her to the doctor, and they said it's too late to give her the Tamiflu. It's going to have to run its course. You know what I did? I let something that was only a foothold turn into a stronghold. When the fix could have been so easy. Point being is this. When you know that God's dealing with you about something, come deal with it. What is the next thing? There needs to be admittance. There needs to be anger. But then you need to go on the attack. And I'm not going to preach that this morning. Because I don't have time. But next week, and, and, and write that word down and look at me because I don't want you to miss this. I know, I know when I was watching TV and I was right in the middle of something, man, I was, a, and then it put to be continued. I wanted to throw the TV out the window. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? Now, that being said, I wanted to go right into this right now. But I'm hungry and you're hungry. Say amen right there. I want you to come back next week. And this is what I'm going to do. I'm telling you, please don't miss next week. I don't care what you do, what you have to do. Uh, DVR, whatever, uh, call in sick, whatever you got to do. 
Next week, I'm going to take you and show you how the Romans were one of the most incredible forces fighting strongholds. They can go into almost any city that's walled up high and destroy them and conquer that city, and I'm going to show you how they did it. There was three or four steps that they took to destroy that stronghold, and they're very practical and easy things. You say, well, preacher, what are you making us wait for? Listen, your biggest problem is wanting to do it. Your biggest problem, what you need to come pray about today, is God, give me the desire, give me the hatred for that thing in my life that keeps coming over me, that keeps, I keep struggling with. I want you today to pray God will give you a holy hatred for that thing so you'll come back next week and say, all right, give me them steps. I'm ready to do them. Because I can give you the steps, but if you're not willing to do them, they're not going to give you any help. Church, say amen. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Every head bowed and every eye closed. If you're here this morning, 